Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brandt. In this episode, we're discussing SST 113, the From Here to Eternity LP by Lee Ronaldo. We've had Lee on before as part of Sonic Youth, but this is his first, and I, I'm pretty sure his only solo album for the label. And Brandt, at the end of last episode, I was like, I've never heard this before, but I bet you you like it because you're a way bigger sonic youth fan than i am now that i've heard this record i can't wait to talk to you about it yeah i've only heard it a few times to be honest with you so it was pretty new to me too yeah i think i texted you and i said like i was totally rocking out to it this week while we were getting ready for the show and uh not yeah i was like i'm not sure this is an album that uh people refer to rocking out to necessarily but it's good it's still an interesting listen and uh it'll be neat to discuss i mean there's not a ton to cover but it's still worth noting a few things about this record you know yeah it's uh, it's out there it's on the label it's 113 so let's do it i've got a couple of spiels though how about you i've got a couple too why don't you hit me okay now I want you to brace yourself for my spiels this week, okay? Okay. Because the theme is heaviness. Nice. You're finally yeah. coming around. <laughs> and, and oh, just wait. And my first spiel is a Doom Screaming Trees combo update. What? Yeah, man. I'm intrigued. So check it out. Episode 105, we had Gary Lee Connor on, right? Yes, we did. And uh, people should go back and listen to that. Hell of a guy, uh, great uh, recording, the other, Screaming Trees, Other Worlds uh, record. Go and check out all that stuff. Um, but what I did is I made up for a failure of mine is that I had never actually picked up the Microdot Gnome LP by Gary Lee. Oh, yeah. And so I ordered it from that Italian label that's been putting out his stuff, Vince Bus Eruptum. Mm-hmm. So I ordered it from them. I had gotten his his latest solo record already, but I don't think the Microdot Gnome was out at that time or hadn't been re-released at the time. But anyways, go check out all that stuff and the Microdot Gnome. First time I've heard it, good little psychedelic album. Uh, totally fits with Gary Lee and the Trees. If you like that stuff, check it out. But here comes the doom, Brant. All right. Okay, so the guy, Dave, uh, who I believe is kind of like the label head, um, you know, when, when you order from the site and, and he gives you an update and so he's like, Hey Ryan, you know, your records in the mail. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Cause I've ordered from them at least once before. Anyways, he threw in, uh, because the shipping is just insane from Italy, insane. And he threw in a free LP by this band. And I wonder if you've heard of them, Brant called Lords of Bastard. No, I've le- heard of Lords of Altamont and Lords of Falconry, but never Lords this, of Bastard. This is Lords of Bastard, and I think... It, Lords of the New Church. Yeah. <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> any any other Lord bands, Brand? <laughs> Anyways, Lords of Bastard, Cuddles is the name of the album, and he threw it in for free, Dave. Thanks, Dave, for that. Always appreciate that. I mean, I think... I think he's pretty much just acknowledging that he has to charge a lot of dough to send it across the pond, and he's probably got extra copies of this. It It's copy number 180 out of 250. 
this pressing from 2013. Mm. And man, um, I bet you you would love it. Lords of Bastard. Writing that down right now. Yeah, Lords of Bastard. The album is Cuddles. Reminds me of the Melvins, but it's properly, I think, characterized as Doom. It has a lot of Doomy elements, and uh, I loved it. So there, there's the first heaviness spiel, and a recommend. Awesome. Here comes the second one. Brant. Yeah. Are you ready for uh, The Whip update? Oh, I haven't heard of anything about The Whip for a really long time. Yeah. So The Whip is... I guess it's like the band between Carp and Big Business, right? Okay. They kind of, I think they were around between Carp and Big Business. And uh, so that's Jared Warren, who uh, ended up in Big Business. Joe Preston from Melvins, I believe, plays on it. At least the 7-inch I have, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he does, yeah. And then uh, Scott from Carp, who unfortunately passed away a long time ago. Anyways, this label, Want Wantage or Want Age USA has released the whip lp and it's it's old recordings they're from like the joe preston sessions they say i haven't heard any of it there's songs up that you can listen to it on but i'm pumped to hear this because i'm a big carp fan big business fan and i really like that the whip seven inch and there's a whole ton of other bands called the whip but this is the whip that matters for me and uh pumped that their lp is out and it's going to be guaranteed some heaviness but at the same time there was also a, a release that came out by another band that i've mentioned on the podcast before called dead yep and and so dead have a new album out that came out at the same time as this new the whip record called raving and drooling and dead is an australian band and they're uh i think it's their drummer who runs that label called we empty rooms but right right you, yeah you've you, mentioned you've mentioned that before for sure yeah, so you can actually, uh, at least when I last looked, I bet you it'll sell out quick, so you better get on it, is you can like order the new The Whip LP and the new Dead LP as like a combo deal package, shipping-wise. Hmm. So uh, And Wantage, too, has got other bands that are good, too, so you can always pick up some other ones like Pygmy Shrews and other stuff. But um, that's spiel number two on the heaviness theme so wait a minute those two releases are on different labels though correct but if you want to get it in north america you can get like some sort of combo deal from wantage i see yeah man okay i check out all that stuff those are all recommends check them out will do great recommends ryan hey listen i've got a uh, a few updates here so the day we're recording this is the day that our interview with Milo Ackerman came out. And yeah. everybody loves Milo. He's such a likable guy. And Milo listened to our podcast and he sent me a few uh, answers to some questions that I just kind of raised on the podcast. Sweet. Yeah. He says, I can answer two questions you had. Uh, Des sang backup vocals on Iceman, Van, and No. Oh. <laughs> and he mystery solved he capitalized all and put an exclamation point at the end of it too nice uh and he says that latin that i was grilling you about ad majorum omnium glorium for the greater glory of all yeah there we go of course yep nice thanks milo 
keep sending us some tidbits and get ready for our next interview request, bro. Yeah, <laughs> mm, totally. Okay, here's uh, my Red Hot Chili Peppers update, my ongoing Red Hot Chili Peppers update. So okay. I am now this week on to Californication. Yep, big hit album. Big hit album. I think I, I recognize like three songs in a row. I think Other Side, Scar Tissue, and the title track. I've heard a zillion times on rock radio. Tried not to let that taint my opinion of it, but I just can't see myself going back to that one. <laughs> I like One Hot Minute way better. Wow, that's so interesting because One Hot Minute like sank like a stone when it came out. Yeah. I don't know. Granted, this is on one listen, but it's no mother's milk, man. No, no. I'll li listen to me. I maintain my recommendation, like, keep going. I think there's, I think my guess is there's going to be way more on Stadium Arcadium that you were going to like, the double LP to come. And those Josh albums that came after have got some cool stuff. And I bet you you'll enjoy them for different reasons than I will because of your guitar fixation. Keep with it. What kind of guitar fixation are you talking about? <laughs> It's the number one thing you always mention about every release, man. What? Yeah, about just shredding or... Oh, Ryan, funny funny that you should mention shredding because my recommend is this book right here. It's called Shredders and it's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's a new book or new-ish written by our friend Greg Prado. It's of the oral, oral history of speed guitar. Let me just read you a few of the chapter titles here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. There's I a whole it. chapter on Floyd Rose. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's a whole chapter on tapping. <laughs> oh, here comes the pinched harmonica. There's a one. whole chapter on sweeping. <laughs> okay, there's a... Let me just test you here. There's a chapter called Eddie. Yeah. Who's that? Eddie Monster, right? Come on now. <laughs> you need me to say Eddie Van Halen? Yeah, I need Jeez, you to man. say Eddie... Eddie Van Halen. Okay, Randy. Bachman. Come on, Randy Rhodes. You're just messing <laughs> with me now. Okay, Engve. Malmsteen. Yeah. Yes, of course. Okay, here's a here's a tougher one. Joe. Oh, well, there's lots of Joes, man. There's a, Joe Walsh. No, no, Joe Satriani. Okay. Yeah. Okay, there's a bunch. Oh, there's a chapter here called Crucial, Sh Crucial Shred. But then there's a chapter, Ryan, called Not Just Metal. Okay, let's see who some of the people are that are interviewed in this chapter. Chris Haskett. Nice. From the Rollins Band. Yeah. Dwayne Dennison, Ryan. Nice. Al Jorgensen, of all people. Uh, Kim Thale. Kurt Kirkwood. Huh, interesting. But hang on, though. Is he just, like, dredging up sections of his other, like, Soundgarden and Meat Puppets books to create another chapter for this? zillionth book well this might have come out of those interviews i'm not sure but some of these guys are talking like let's see here like a lot of these guys really like frank zappa and they are steve Vai fans for sure which the shredders like all the other chapters? no these dudes oh in the in the not so shredder yeah and they are also like um really digging the fact that steve Vai played on that public image limited album yeah Okay, here's a quote from Chris Haskett. Check this out. It's interesting. 
There's a whole era of particularly American music that it's almost like it never happened. There's this kind of gap between the beginning of Sonic Youth and the first Lollapalooza. So kind of the era we're talking about right now. And it's like nobody has any memory of the Jesus Lizard, early Sonic Youth, Bullet La Volta, us, yes. us as in the Rollins band, Firehose. Remember, yes. he goes, remember, Firehose was the biggest band on college radio for like a decade. Good luck finding anybody under the age of 30 who has ever heard of them. And I'm not saying people should only listen to old music, but it's really weird how much history dis disappeared. It's almost Orwellian because there was so much richness. There was so much fascinatingly amazing creative stuff going on. To me, Jesus Lizard, Lizard should be a stadium band. If I see somebody wearing one of their shirts, I'm like, hey, cool. And you can tell they're going to be... <laughs> They're going to be a slightly bigger bald guy my age. And <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Shredders by Greg Prado. So was that a recommend for me? Not for you. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. Speaking of shredding, have you seen that Blood and Steel documentary yet? No. You know what happened, Ryan, was I dialed up Amazon to prime to watch it and then i saw that they have that documentary on the band death the death metal band oh like death the death metal band not death the proto-punk band not that band okay yeah. so is death the death metal band like one of those swedish bands or something no no they're a florida death metal band oh okay yeah and i ended up watching that instead so. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good too but it, you wouldn't like it so <laughs> speaking on. of shredding there's some lots of shredding going on on that one too yeah oh i bet yeah. i bet what else you got for me that's it man i'm ready to get into some lee ronaldo let's do it history lesson part one all right brent what a weird album i think you it's fair to say too like we just haven't heard anything like this thus far we have heard one of these tracks though on the no age comp and that track actually kind of fit on that compilation. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, but now you've got a whole album of that type of stuff. Yeah. So we should say, I'm assuming everybody listening to this knows that Lee Ronaldo was the co-guitarist in Sonic Youth. Uh, this is the first of many solo records he's released. Here's uh, kind of what I came up with. I'm assuming uh, most of this was recorded on a four track. I'm, that's only an assumption. Uh, all performed by Lee. I don't see any other credits on the album. Uh, with a guitar, amplifier, he uses a lot of feedback, pedal effects, and tape loops. Which was making me think a lot this week of Tom Watson and Tim Harding from Slovenly. They did a lot of this stuff. It would be cool if they would have put out an album on SST. Yeah. Well, when you say, like, recorded onto 4-track, when I was looking up this album, it said that that uh, some of the tracks were created directly in the mastering studio where they were, where they were cut, like, ended up cutting the original vinyl of this record. Yep. It's the things I read said he apparently created some of the tracks directly in the mastering studio. 
where they were cutting the original vinyl version. Um, more on that in a minute. The LP is mastered at 45 RPM, although the label says it's Vera speed, which means you can play it at 45 or 33 and a third if you choose. Uh, the spontaneous insertion of recordings during the vinyl cutting stage caused some issues when it came time to master it for CD. So for the CD, he used a combination of the master tapes and some recordings take, taken directly uh, off of the LP. And he also extended the length of many of the tracks. And a lot of the stuff I read, Ryan kind of said, like, this talked more about how unique this was as a, as a product as opposed to the actual music on it. Yeah. I, agreed. I mean, it's a real avant-garde piece of art. The, the vinyl itself in the, at the time, the Vera speed, the infinity length of the tracks, the etching on the B side, you, yeah. you got to cover all that for the people, man. Yeah. So the, inf what Ryan means when he says the infinity length of the tracks, that's why it's called from here to infinity. Each track on the album ends with a locked groove. So what that is, is the needle does not, it doesn't go to a next track when you, like when you listen to a normal record and the tone arm doesn't come up automatically like when you get to the end of a record. It just goes into a loop and just plays for infinity if you just walked away from your record player, right? Yeah. And so if you listen to this on LP, you would have to, after each track some of which are only like a minute long you would have to once it goes into that locked groove or that continual loop you would have to pick up the tone arm and physically move it to the next track i don't have this on lp do you no just cd yeah so a lot of people said the listening experience on cd which is what i have it on was is you know not as good as listening to it on lp I've never heard it on LP. I can't imagine it's an easy album to listen to. I did read some things where people said they had a hard time getting the, the needle into the, onto the next track. Yep. Uh, and I th think, I don't much understand much about this process, but I think what he recorded live in the studio was those locked grooves. Like as they were mastering the lacquer or whatever, he would have recorded live to the, live to the, to the, acetate or whatever does that make sense i think so based on what i read but i I'd, I'd be lying if i told you like i knew that from personal experience or anything like that yeah I don't, I don't really understand what exactly they mean by that but this is what it says inside the cd version this compact disc version contains tracks taken from the original master tapes as well as from the lp version in situations where the tracks were created directly in the mastering studio and no tapes existed. Some new tape loops have been cut to replace certain grooves, which due to the chance nature of the process, I wasn't altogether happy with on the record. And it's dated December 1987. So I think what he means was some of those, uh, those grooves, because he recorded them live straight to the to the lacquer he wasn't happy with them so he he took them off we'll get to it when we we go through the tracks but you know you can tell when you listen to this that a lot of it was mastered off of the vinyl on the cd i for yeah. myself like i've never 
I've never even seen the LP version of it. I'd, I would love to see it. It's on clear wax too, at least the Blast First. This came out in the UK on Blast First, and I'm pretty sure that's the clear wax version. The SST one, I think, was on black vinyl and gray marbled vinyl. And you can see pictures of it online. It's a pretty far out looking record, but not super user friendly. I enj myself enjoyed listening to it on CD. They kind of mix all the tracks together like a, you know, almost like a DJ would, where the tracks blend together. And yeah, I, you know, I think it, for, it was a good listening experience for me. Here's the thing though, about the, uh, the lacquer. So it was cut by, uh, the super famous recording engineer, George Peckham, better known as Porky. Uh, his master discs and the recordings produced from them are known as Porky's prime cuts. And that's often etched into the runout grooves or the dead wax. It also is on this LP. Uh, he started his career as a disc cutter at Apple Studios in 1968. And he assumed the chief disc cutter role there a year later. And I mean, if you look up his, his discogs, it's insane. He's cut lacquers for The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, The Who, Black Sabbath, ACDC. Like, literally everybody. Yeah. So I, a lot of the stuff you can find online about this, uh, talk up specifically about le that, like that it's an interactive LP. The listener gets to determine when the track is over, uh, just because of each track ending in a locked groove. And apparently some of those loops are altered on the CD version and, and the length of that locked groove is, is chosen for the listener. Uh, a lot of the opinions I saw online said that it was completely pointless to release this on CD and cassette because of that. I wouldn't see pointless, but I can see why, I guess, people who had experienced it on LP and like really got into it for that reason would say, you're not going to have the same experience, so therefore it's pointless. Yeah. Well, a lot of people online that I saw just, talked about you know how cool it was to sh pull this record out and show it to people yeah <laughs> like you know what i mean so here's an interview i found with lee on this sounds of suburbia magazine site this is from 1995 and this i think is talks about maybe why he wanted to put it on cd and cassette he says the vinyl version of this album was obviously the real shit as it embodied concepts of tape loops which were very important to me at the time and still are today Releasing it on CD was a way to further work with the sound material, creating a more playable version of the tracks. At the time, it seemed like LP records were going to vanish from the face of the earth, and I wanted the sounds of that record to remain. Interestingly, the process of segueing all the pieces together laid the groundwork for my subsequent solo concerts of the time, which consisted of live mixing of various sound materials on hundreds of cassettes to create textured beds of sound, not unlike those being created now by DJs with turntables and samplers. So that's a question that I had for you after listening to this record for someone who has, you've probably heard every Lee Ronaldo solo album, right? Probably. Uh, yeah, more the ones since Sonic Youth broke up. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess my question is, so 
when you listen to this record, how much can you like how much does it make sense this record along with Lee's other solo records? Uh, not so much. I mean, like, well, every Sonic Youth album has a couple songs sung by Lee. Often they're some of the best tracks on the album. They're usually like deep cuts. Um, and his, his new solo stuff, like new, by new, I mean, since Sonic Youth broke up, is a lot like the stuff he did in Sonic Youth. Like the song Eric's Trip, for example. Okay. Uh, Between the Tides and the Times, I think is the name of the album. That's one that stands out for me as one that I really liked. It might be his first one actually after Sonic Youth, but uh, but I'm not 100% on that one. Uh, but I remember really, really liking that one. This, I mean, all of this stuff you hear is stuff you would hear on a Sonic Youth record. These kinds yeah. of sounds, you know, in the middle of songs or at the starts of songs, you know. These are not foreign sounds to that you would would never associate with Lee Ronaldo, that's for sure. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Here's a few uh, kind of reviews that I found. This is from a blog called New Guitars, and New is spelled N-E-U, by Andrea Aguzzi. An indispensable work. Its listening combines moments of relaxation and fun with aspects related to experimentation and a view of the sound very different from the common rock and roll representation. The example of a coherent attitude and an indomitable creative spirit. Yeah, very true. And here's uh, the all music one. This is by Stuart Mason. Probably the most aggressively experimental experimental album ever released on the agro punk label sst the solo day uh-huh. the solo day debut by sonic youth's lee ronaldo is an uncompromisingly experimental collection of brief works for electric guitar that have far more in common with his early mentors rise chatham and glenn bronca than with the progressively poppier sonic youth albums of the same period and the same period is sister this came out the obviously the same year as sister uh, the br- brief pieces, one to four minutes, most around two, sound remarkably like the opening and closing bits of songs on albums like Sister or Daydream Nation. The unsettled, amorph- amorphous sound patterns that coalesce before the band kicks into the song pr- songs proper, only here they fade out instead. On the CD, that is. The original vinyl pressing of this album was unique in that every track ended with a lock groove, so that the drones could continue as long as you wanted before you lifted the needle by hand and moved on to the next track. On CD, however, From Here to Infinity sounds like a collection of fragments and cool sounds that Ronaldo didn't have any place else to put. His later solo releases would be much more fully formed after this sketchy, inconsequential start. Do you want to go over to the tracks, Ryan? Sure, man. History Lesson, Part 2. So at first, Ryan, I wasn't even going to try and write anything about these tracks but then at the 11th hour and i listened to this a ton this week it's only 30 minutes long at the end of it i was like i'm gonna try and just sit down with a pen and piece of paper and see what i can think of when i listen to this and i was surprised how much i could actually come up with some coherent thoughts about about these tracks so here's what i came up with 
Yeah, you're you're a better man than me if you did that because I I listened to it a few times, and uh, I mean, I just know it's way more up your alley than mine. That's all. Okay, well, I'll hit you hit you with what what I came up with here. Um, so it's twelve songs, thirty minutes. Uh, Time stands still is the first track. It's three minutes fifty one seconds. I'm going by the CD version, by the way, too. Um, most of these are, are shorter on the LP, but I don't think it factors in the locked groove. So it's very noisy. It's in stereo, much like an album you hear referenced a lot when people are talking about this record, which is Lou Reed's Metal Machine music. And when I say in stereo, I mean hard right and hard left Yeah, panned. Like you really do, you should listen to this record on headphones, which I did loud. And it's really interesting to listen to that way. Uh, definitely a headphone record I wrote. Uh, for the locked groove, it goes down to mono. Once you can tell when it gets into the locked groove and it, it, it goes completely from stereo down to mono and you can definitely hear that surface noise. So what I'm assuming is a lot of this track stuff is just mastered off of straight off the vinyl and then he just lets the lock groove play for whatever reason it's in mono i don't know if that's part of the you know the straight to lacquer process but it sounds like a record skipping you can hear the vinyl skipping and then it it kind of just you know like i said earlier he blends the songs together in a in a really good way um and we go into destruction site. Uh, this kind of has an ominous fade in with a droning note and some backwards kind of tape loop sounds. Again, awesome to listen to with headphones on. The droning note is kind of in your left ear and in the right, right ear is kind of this white noise. It sounds like something out of like a David Lynch movie or something. And then when it goes into the locked groove, you can hear, again, the record skipping, and then it fades out on that locked groove. And then we're on to the third track, Orberon, a minute 41 seconds. And again, if you look at the LP version, it's only listed as 46 seconds, so we've got a full minute of that locked groove. This one's some creepy backwards feedback. You And once it goes into the, the looping groove, you can hear someone talking a little bit over it um, which maybe might have been them talking while they recorded that locked groove straight to the to the lacquer I'm not sure track four slow drone was a favorite of mine uh, two minutes and 25 seconds uh, it has a synthesizer kind of a sound uh, it pops in and out of each speaker uh, but one speaker is kind of always holding that note Again, it has that cool stereo effect. Definitely a drone. Uh, something might... It sounds like something that might be on a Melvin's record, this one. And uh, it fades out, and the locked groove is way more subtle than some of the other ones. Like, some of them are really kind of in your face. Uh, track 5 is called New Groove Loop. 2 minutes 50 seconds. It's got some abrasive feedback... Uh, maybe through a wah pedal. Uh, it goes into the locked groove almost immediately. Uh, over two minutes of the two minutes and 50 seconds uh, of this track are the locked groove. Uh, 
which kind of creates like it's very monotonous so it kind of creates a hypnotic vibe he slows down the speed i'm th almost thinking it sounds like he might have mass when he was mastering the it to cd off the vinyl he maybe just held his finger on the record to oh. slow the speed down that's what it sounds yep. like yeah possible yep track six you mentioned florida flower one minute five seconds this is the track that we've already heard on uh no age kind of sounds i probably mentioned this at the time like chiming bells uh again it goes straight into the lock groove and fades out this time and i mean when i say straight into the lock groove again on the vinyl this is listed as a 40 second track and on here it's over a minute so right uh the last song on the lp is hard left this is one's interesting because it has like a drum machine it sounds like a very early one like an 808 or something type of sound with some panning panning noisy guitar chords over top it doesn't last long before it goes into the loop though and uh it's just this pattern of the drum machine that just gets louder as it goes along before it it kind of fades out Track eight is called Fuzz Slashed Locusts. It's kind of got this fuzzy wah-wah vibe. Cool song title. It kind of builds to this feedback and then the locked groove. It The locked groove reminds me of a track off of King Buzzo's Melvin solo album called Porg. I thought of that every time I heard it. Do you, do you know that song? Not real. Like, it's not coming to me. Honestly, those solo albums... When I got them, I put the best songs on like a blind cassette and that would not have been one of them. Oh yeah. I listened to the, to them a lot and, uh, that song's always stuck out to me. This definitely reminds me of it. Uh, oh, and I should say we're, if we, if we're on the vinyl, this is side two fuzz locusts. This is start aside two. Uh, the next track is called to Mary times two. And this is one of the longer ones it's three minutes, 26 seconds. It's a guitar drone that turns into a feedback loop. You can hear like a TV or a radio in the background and you can make out a British accent. I'm pretty sure, uh, if you look, this was recorded. What does it say? Recordings made in New York city and Nottingham, England, 1983 to 1986. So I'm thinking that this was recorded like the Nottingham England I think that that is a reference to the stuff that was recorded directly to the lacquer ah uh, yes because that's you know Porky's a, a British dude or whatever yeah so my sleuthing was like I can hear like a TV or radio in the background here and I can almost make out a British accent I could be completely wrong about that but uh Track 10, Lathe Speaks. This reminds me of, do you remember when we saw the Melvins on the the tour for the trilogy and Adam Jones uh, from Tool was playing with them? Was he? Yeah. And he had that uh, little tiny microphone and was like... Oh, yeah, with Kevin Rood, like they... Kevin Rudmanis was on bass and he was on second guitar, right? Yeah. And he, okay. they basically 
did the song that ended up being released later as the Colossus of Destiny album. Right. It's like 45 minutes of Adam Jones doing his thing. And that's what this song reminds me of. Hmm. Track 11, The Resolution. Uh, the guitars definitely sound like Sonic Youth on this one. Very staticky, noisy loop at the end. Uh, then if we go to the LP version, we have a track called Sav X. And Sav X was kind of the nom de plume of the cover artist, who we'll get to in a bit here when we, when we do the cover art. Uh, but he rec recreates on the LP uh, this kind of circular, he refers to it as a dragon, I think, eating itself or whatever that you see on the cover. That yeah. is cut into the grooves of the LP. And that's the track Sav X. I've read varying things about what happens if you try and play it. Yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> and then it ends with a track on the LP called The Open End, which is listed on the LP as being 24 seconds long. I read some stuff where people said they had a really hard time getting the needle onto that track. Uh, we don't have that on the CD. What we have instead is a 4 minute 15 second song called King's Og, which was another favorite of mine. It sounds like something that could be a horror movie soundtrack. It's the longest track, 4 minutes 15 seconds. It's very atmospheric and very creepy, but cool. And that's that's the LP. Hey, before we should go, are you, are you going to go to the artwork? Yeah. So before we go to the artwork, though, we should also mention on the CD that on the inside jacket, and it's it's a reference to the way that it was mastered uh, to begin with and all of the uh, the loops and stuff, and then what needed to be done in order to create the CD. It says this is the only compact disc with surface noise. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. That is cool. It also has on the back as well, where it has December 87, you know, the date of that quote that you spieled earlier on. Yep. It has the infinity sign there again, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the cover art, It uh, it's stylized, like the t t album title is from here, and instead of to infinity, there's an arrow pointing to the word infin infinity. And then his name has the infinity sign between it. That little sideways eight, right? Yep. This this album cover, though, like, I know you're not as big of a fan of this band as I am. I don't think anyways, but the album cover really reminds me of that Mr. Bungle album oh, cover yeah. for Dis yeah. Disco Volante. I never thought of that, but yeah, I can see it. It's got that circle with the close-up eye. Yep. Yep, for sure. That circle is uh, artwork by this guy, Savage Pencil, a.k.a. Edwin Ponzi, a.k.a. Sav X. Uh, he, he's a musician. He played in a band called The Art Attacks, a British punk band from 77, 78. They released a few singles, including a song called I Am a Dalek. Have you ever heard that song? No. Me neither. Uh, it seems like that was maybe their hit, though. Uh, he also was later in an improv drone, uh, drone rock noise band called uh, Petra Peller. 
He's a comics artist. Uh, he did a bunch of writing for Sounds, Forced Exposure, The Wire, and he's done tons of album art, Ryan. He did art for Bla- Big Black, The Lazy Cowgirls, uh, The Cows, Red Cross, Sonic Youth, Rocket from the Crypt, tons of stuff. He did this circular design on the front. Like I said, it's I've heard it called a dragon kind of eating itself. And uh, apparently on the LP, the that and like the typography is embossed on the, on the cover, which is cool. Uh, it also says the fo- uh, photography by Michael Weimer. I'm assuming he took the, the photo of the eye. Yeah. Uh, what else here? There was something else. Oh, there is Dead Wax on the LP. It's listed on Discogs. Side A is Fuck the Future. And side B is... It's got an A with a cross between... It's crossed out and then it says B. Electricity comes from other planets. And both sides say a Porky's Prime cut. And then on the LP it says... There's a reason for everything that's ever been right. Today we look up and can see. Some singular moment comes close to going around again. I hope you will drop the diamond in a groove and let it ride a while. Sonic Life, September 1986, Los Angeles. I think that's pretty much all I have, Ryan. Ballot result? Yeah, I guess so. Ballot result. All right, man. This one is all you. You didn't really like this record, hey? Uh, it's one of those things where I appreciate, I appreciate it because it exists. I appreciate the art. If I'm being completely honest, I will probably never listen to it again. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I enjoyed listening to it, especially when I was really cranking it up with headphones. When I, I was listening to it at work quite a bit, you know, while I was busy doing things and, I definitely took on a new appreciation for it when I just sat down with headphones on and really concentrated on it. Yeah, I guess my thing is, you know, and even hearing you say that, it's kind of like, okay, maybe I should, you know, sit down with some headphones and crank it and maybe, you know, I'll have an epiphany because it does happen sometimes, you know, it takes a while for an album to to make sense to you. That can happen. This one, I really have my doubts, and I kind of feel like I've got a lot of other stuff that I'd like to get listening to. You it's, know what that's you like, how... though, man. And I mean, like, I listen to some noisy stuff, like that Melvin's record, Colossus of Destiny. I, I'll listen to that. Or some of their noisy, Sonic Youth. I, I own metal machine music, and I've, you know, I'll listen to it from time to time. I'm not a huge fan of like Mersbo or anything like that, but I'll listen to, oh, I don't know, uh, White House or Nurse with Wound and stuff like that. You know, I like a lot of that stuff. So this isn't like completely foreign to me, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's foreign enough that I'd rather just check out something else next, you know? Fair enough. That's totally fair, man. Uh, well, if I'm picking, I'm going to go with Slow Drone because I really liked that one. Cool. Yeah. Did you think Did you think that uh, the song 
uh, lathe speaks was a reference to the lathe when they were cutting the lacquers. Oh, good one. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is too. Ryan, what's next week? Next week, we're going to go uh, back to something a little bit more rocking, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's SST 114, the Leaving Trains album. Fuck. And Brant, we've got a special guest. Yeah, Sam Merrick's going to be on the podcast. Great guy, man. Yeah, loved the last Leaving Trains record. Can't wait for this one. I know it's a good one. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.